0: Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast with Pastor Joseph Gibson at Cranberry Community Church. We hope God speaks to your heart through today's message. Uh, Lord, I thank you again for your presence, and I pray that you speak this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Uh, Today we're going to start a new series. It's called Lost in Translation. Uh, There are about 6,000 languages and dialects on the earth. We have scripture, or at least portions of scripture, for about 3,500 of them. It's about 2,500 to go. Uh, I don't know if you you know this or not. Probably not. I didn't know until this morning. But uh, there is a new translation of scripture for a new language uh, developed once every 10 days uh, in an effort to reach every nation and every language on the earth, about once every 10 days. The challenge with the translation process, uh, especially or particularly in the English language, is you are taking... Uh, very complex Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic words with a lot of depth, with a lot of layers. And the way it works is you are trying to find the English word that best matches that complex word. Uh, and what happens is a lot of meaning sometimes is lost in translation. Just to show you a quick example of what I mean in Psalm 23, 6, a passage most of us are familiar with. Surely your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Uh, when we're translating, for instance, that word mercy, what we look for uh, is we take the Hebrew word and we try to find the closest English word. So in English, mercy means kind of with withholding of the punishment we deserve. Uh, And and that's a good definition. That is something that David is saying here. But if you go into the original language, uh, it's a word has said. And what it means is not just mercy, but it's talking about the mercy of God, the goodness, the kindness, the love of God, the faithfulness of God. So actually what David is saying when he's writing this or speaking this has layers of meaning, but the translation process, we lose some of that meaning to bring it over to English. Does that make sense? Uh, David was not just saying that Your mercy will keep the bad things away. But he was saying, your blessing will be on me. Your favor will be on me. Your love and your kindness, your faithfulness will never go away. Now, I'm not even suggesting that there's a better way of translating because if you went into every meaning of every word, uh, the Bible would be like 10,000 pages long. Uh, But what I am saying is sometimes we are left with a surface understanding of what actually has great, great depth to it that's lost again in translation. So in this series, I wanna look at some very common words that we hear every Sunday in church, that we read throughout the Bible, and I wanna dive into them and peel back those layers of what the authors uh, intended for us to understand. Now to start this series, I wanna begin in the book of Luke. Luke, remember, is a historian. Uh, Luke begins his gospel account of Jesus Christ by talking about, about a man named Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth. And, and Luke tells how Zechariah uh, was visited by the angel Gabriel. Now, Zechariah's wife Elizabeth was far beyond childbearing years. Uh, she would, uh, but the angel says, you'll give birth to a son and you'll name him John. Uh, we know him as John the Baptist. Uh, and that John would have a special calling Now to fast forward about eight days after John is born, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit came upon Zechariah and he began to prophesy over not only Jesus Christ, but prophesy over his own son. Uh, And we're going to read right here what he said as he's prophesying uh, over his son. It says, And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation Through the forgiveness of sins, through the forgiveness of sins. That's a word I want to look at this morning, is forgiveness. It's a word that we hear uh, pretty much every week. And I want to dive into the original language and look at what it means and what it means for your life today. But to get there, I want to return to John the Baptist. And I want to look at more of his story because as John is talking about forgiveness and salvation Uh, He always intertwines another word with it. Now, Zechariah, again, filled with the Holy Spirit, says, John, you will have this mantle over your life, this banner over your life, where you will give the people knowledge, or you will make them aware of salvation through the forgiveness of sins. Now, why does John say that you will make the people aware because salvation was not a new concept. In fact, if you, if you read the Old Testament, salvation was kind of the central focus of the Old Testament. It's literally mentioned hundreds and hundreds of times in the Old Testament. If you read just the book of Psalms, it's like this roller coaster in David's life of praying for salvation and then thanking God for salvation. About 35 times he is crying out to God to to save me, bring salvation. And then dozens more than that, he is thanking God for his salvation. It's this roller coaster. He, and, and he's saying, Lord, the Lord is my light and my, my salvation. The Lord is the rock in my salvation. And I love how he just kind of sums it up in Psalm 68, 20. And David says, our God is a God who saves. Just makes it lays it out there for you. Our God is a God who saves. So when Zacharias says that John the Baptist would have this anointing and calling on his life to make the people aware of salvation, that wasn't John's specific anointing. But when he says that he would make the people aware of a salvation that comes by the forgiveness of sins, that was the new concept that John was going to make people aware of. John wasn't just talking about a physical salvation. He was talking about a spiritual salvation and even an eternal salvation. Now, all four of the Gospels give us some insight into John's ministry. So if we piece all of the Gospels together, uh, we can see that John had a pretty powerful ministry of his own, uh, a baptism ministry. Uh, In fact, he had the opportunity to baptize Jesus. A little plug for baptisms, July 18th, Jesus got baptized, you should get baptized, see me or Emily. Uh, But while we have quite a bit of information on John and his teachings and and what he preached, there's one topic that at least according to scripture, John never mentions one time, not even once, and that's the topic of salvation. Now this is significant because Zechariah said that this would be his mantle, That John would be the one to make people aware of salvation, but then when we read John's teachings, he never mentions salvation. Why is that? Now, I think it's because salvation was God's side of the equation, and what John preached, as we're going to see, was our side of the equation. While John didn't teach about salvation itself, what John taught a lot about was the path to salvation or the way that we get to salvation. And we're going to look at that, uh, in fact, right now, what John did preach. Now, we're going to read three real quick passages, uh, beginning in Matthew chapter 3, verse 1. It says, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching, repent. Somebody say, repent. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. In Mark chapter 1, he said, John the Baptist Uh, appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. In Luke chapter 3, it says he went into all the country preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So remember that uh, Zechariah prophesied John will, will make the people aware of salvation through the forgiveness of sin. Well, John does talk about forgiveness all the time, but instead of talking about salvation itself, he talks about kind of the path to salvation in Christ which is repentance and that's the second word I want to dive into so we're gonna look at repentance we're gonna look at forgiveness uh, and in fact what I want to show you is that repentance when when approached biblically and defined biblically is actually a good thing a very healthy thing and it is inseparable from the good news of Jesus Christ in fact, in Mark chapter 1, uh, the Bible tells us that after um, John was put in prison, and actually, if we'll, we'll just read it. Uh, so it says, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So John, his ministry, is laying this foundation of repentance, and the moment that John is placed in prison, Jesus picks up that mantle, and his first message is repentance, and then if you continued on, uh, Jesus sends out the disciples two by two, and in Mark chapter 12, I believe it is, no, Mark uh, chapter 6, it says, "'They went out and preached, repent.'" And if you fast forward to the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fell on Peter, the first message that Peter preached was a message of repentance. And if you continue in the book of Acts, all throughout the book of Acts, it's a message of repentance. You can go all the way into the book of Revelation, which foretells of the end of time, and they're still preaching repentance. So I I find it a bit of a travesty that somehow in the church today, we've decided that, that, that repentance is no longer relevant to us. It was foundational to the early church, but it's too offensive for the church today. How can that be? The answer is it cannot be in a healthy church. There has to be a healthy biblical message of repentance. However, and it's a big however, if you're taking notes, write in all caps, however, we need to have an accurate understanding of biblical repentance. You see, we, we, most of us have learned and been taught to approach repentance in a completely flawed manner. Even for the vast majority of my life, uh, whether I knew it or not, for me, repentance began with shame. Shame if I was ashamed enough, if I felt enough like a piece of dirt, and if I finally heard the voice of the Lord screaming to me, you ought to be ashamed of yourself, then I would say it's time to change. There are so many problems with the mindset that repentance begins with shame. The first is we live in the era of grace and under the grace of Christ, Shame has no seat at the table. The other, one is, the other problem is this, uh, and, and just to, to give you an example, if you're here today and you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you've placed your faith in him, you're a Christian, but in your life maybe there are, are strongholds that you're aware of, you struggle with anger or with pride or with lust or uh, when there's gossip you get kind of sucked into it. There have probably been moments in your life where you felt bad enough about what you've done or what you've said that you said, it's time for me to repent. And in a matter of days or weeks, you're right back at it. Why is that? It's because your repentance was rooted in and founded in shame. And that shame is temporary. So when your shame over what you have done begins to fade away, your motivation for your repentance fades away with it. Shame cannot be the place where repentance begins. But the Bible tells us where repentance does begin. In Romans chapter 2, it says, It is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. That word for goodness means it is the kindness of God, the grace of God that leads us to repentance. Did you know that it is intended, that it is God's grace in your life that should be the foundation of repentance? Repentance does not begin with recognizing how dirty we are, how awful we are. It begins when we focused our minds on how great our God is. I actually want to show you this in Scripture with a story that you're probably familiar with. Uh, we know it as the story of the prodigal son. Uh, in Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells the story of a man with two sons. The oldest takes his portion of the inheritance. Uh, Kayla, you don't have to put it up just yet. Um, he takes his portion of the inheritance and he goes and he wastes it on wild living and sinful living. And then he finally reaches the low point in his life. Uh, he's He's hungry, he's broke, he's got nothing. And the Bible says that something happens. It says he came to his senses. Now, when he came to his senses, uh, his focus, as we're going to see, changed. And what became his new focal point became the foundation of his repentance. So in Luke chapter 15, verse 17, it says, when he came to his senses... He said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. So let's ask the question, when he came to his senses, what does that mean? Does it mean he recognized how dirty he was, how awful he was, and he heard the voice of the Lord saying, you ought to be ashamed? No, the Bible says he came to his senses and he remembered his father's house when his mind shifted over to his father, that led him into a place of repentance. What I want to do for a minute is redefine repentance because if we look uh, at the original language, you could actually say that when he remembered his father's house, that didn't lead him to repentance you might be able to say that was his moment of repentance and I'm going to show you that in the original language if you want to put that up Kayla uh, this is the word for repentance uh, it's pronounced metanoio and literally it means to change one's mind or specifically to change one's mind for the better or to think differently if you want to put the next slide up Kayla yeah um, to, to change one's mind for the better, or to think differently. It doesn't say anything about beating yourself up. It doesn't say anything about dragging yourself through the mud. It says this is what repentance is. It's, it's very simple. It's a change that takes place in your mind. So repentance, according to the Bible, takes place when you refocus and you redirect your mind Unto the goodness of God. You say, Pastor, you're you're kinda letting us off the hook because you're just saying we can do whatever we want. No John was very specific. He said that you should bear fruit in keeping with repentance. In Acts 26, 20, uh, Paul said that uh, he preached they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance uh, by their needs. If your mind is fixed on Jesus Christ, as the Bible says, if your heart is set on Jesus Christ, as the Bible says, if you are renewing your mind in Jesus Christ, as the Bible says, if you are taking every thought captive and making it obedient to Jesus Christ, as the Bible says, that is your moment of repentance. And can I tell you, when your heart is set on Christ, your feet will follow. And maybe you're here and you say, I've repented of what I struggle with so many times. Maybe you tried to repent in your actions before before you've turned to God in your heart. Maybe you've tried to change your actions based on guilt and shame. And what God is saying is, no, don't stare at your sin. Stare at your good father. Redirect your attention from your mistakes to your good father who loves you, who has grace for you, who has love for you despite your failures. If we are locked in on the goodness of God, if you are locked in, constantly thinking about the goodness of God, that will keep you clear from lust and from gossip and from pride, from anything that you struggle with. Now, I recognize that we are humans and it is nearly impossible 24-7 to be focused on the goodness of God. Do you know what you do is you recognize that and then you redirect your focus onto the goodness of God and the Bible says that's repentance. Repentance is not a bad thing. Repentance is not that ugly thing that you have to get out of the way to to, to find the goodness of God. Repentance is a part of the goodness of God because it just means you are redirecting your focus onto how good our God is. Now, real quickly, I want to differentiate uh, between kind of two places of repentance. The Bible says there is one place, uh, one type of repentance is called the repentance that leads to salvation this is the moment that you turn to God you place your faith in God you say God I'm yours I surrender to you and can I tell you you only have to do that once you're not re earning your salvation every time you direct your your focus to God there is a moment of repentance in every believers life which simply means that you turn your heart and your mind over to God but I believe that as believers, we should be constantly repenting. And that sounds awful until you consider what it means. It simply means we should be constantly redirecting our focus and our attention onto the goodness of God. And the Bible says that both of these types of repentance are instantly met with something called forgiveness. A forgiveness that leads to salvation. I want to look at that word forgiveness. This kind of blew me away this week. Uh, the word here is aphesis. And it actually is, is a word that has layered meanings. So the first meaning, if you want to put it on the screen, Kayla, it's one that we're familiar, uh, familiar with. It's the forgiveness of sin, letting them go as if they've never been committed. Uh, now this is taken uh, directly from the, the Greek dictionary. This isn't my spin on things. <laughs> Uh, it's pardon and uh, stay on the first one for me, Kayla. It's pardon and it's the remission of penalty. But did you know? I didn't know this until this week. This is actually considered the figurative meaning of the word for forgiveness. So when you repent, your your penalty is removed in Christ. It is let go as if it never happened. I didn't know until this week what the literal meaning of the word for forgiveness is. Kayla, if you'll put that on the screen. This is the literal meaning. Forgiveness is the release from bondage or imprisonment, freedom, deliverance, and liberty. Did you know that when God said, I want to forgive you of your sin, there is an eternal factor that says, I I am pardoning your sin. But did you know that there's much more than that? When God says, I forgive you of your sin, actually, I am releasing you from that bondage. I am releasing you from imprisonment to that sin, delivering you and giving you liberty over that sin. Church, that is exciting. And what Jesus and John are saying is when you repent, when you turn your mind over to God and you you say, I will focus on God and I will redirect my mind and renew my mind daily, what begins to happen is you are released from the bondage of your sin. Now when shame, when shame is the motivation for your sin, There's no release from bondage because when the shame goes away, you're right back in it. Shame fades away. Can I tell you what never fades away is the goodness of God. When your repentance is anchored into the goodness of God, it never changes. Renee, can you come up for me? Uh, in Exodus chapter fifteen, in just a moment, I want to show you a passage. Uh, Moses is speaking, and Moses, at this point in his life, has been through an awful lot with God already. Uh, he's with the Israelites, so he's already seen like the deliverance and, and God's miracles and God speaking to him. He has been through so much, uh, but what happens is they they cross through the the Red Sea on dry ground, and David or, or Moses turns and he prays to God. And he he says, God, you've been this for me, this and this for all this time, but you're becoming something in this moment. Uh, In Exodus 15, verse 2, it says, the Lord is my strength and my salvation or in my defense, but now he has become my salvation. He has become the release from imprisonment and the, the release from bondage. He has become my liberty. And I believe that there may be someone here today who you say, I know God in so many aspects. I know him as my provider. I I, I know him as my source of wisdom and comfort and love. But today, he needs to become my salvation. Today, he needs to be my release from the sin that has held me in bondage. You know, that is the first reference ever given to salvation in the Bible, is when he says, you have brought me through and you have become my salvation. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And I'm going to ask you to do something as Renee leads us. I'm going to ask you to repent. Do you know what I mean by that? All I mean is to take your focus, take your attention, and turn it to the goodness of God. I pray this morning that we would be a people who walk and, and constantly turn our attention to You. And that as we do, Lord, You would keep us on a straight path. That we would recognize Your forgiveness, God. Not only the pardon from our sins, which we're so thankful for, but Lord, also just the freedom, Lord, that You offer the liberty and the release from imprisonment, God. I pray this morning that you help us, God, to turn our attention to you. In Jesus' name. Lord, maybe we came in this morning thinking about the mistakes that we've made in this past week. But when we leave this place, we leave thinking about your goodness. I pray this week that we would be constantly brought back to your goodness and your kindness and your grace. We thank you, Lord, for salvation that comes through the forgiveness of sin. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, church, thank you so much for being here. I guess it's your turn for vacation next week. We're going to switch it out, I don't know. Have a good week. When you walk out the doors, look to the sky and say, God, you're so good. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for a new message every single week. And as always, from all of us at Cranberry Community Church, may God bless you.